0: Hello, welcome to the episode five of Simple Ken. It's awesome that we are still here and coronavirus hasn't got me yet. we had a good week Uh, you must have immediately noticed that I am if you're watching the video that I'm not wearing my specs because I forgot them in Bangalore I was in Kerala and Bangalore this week because you know what an amazing time to travel when there's coronavirus (laughs) so I went to uh, Kochi uh, and Tamil Nadu and then I came back to Bangalore and then I came to Bombay just to make sure I maximize the amount of viruses I can get Uh, I had a very good trip man it was, it was nice hanging out with dad for so long uh, <laughs> because uh, when you hang out with your father, you realize all the habits that uh, you don't like are actually just your parents and all the habits you like about yourself is from your parents, but they have it 10x more than you. So I used to get annoyed when people are not prepared enough or don't um, you know plan their day. My dad does that 10 times than me. So I am the problem in the situation then. <sighs> it's just, um, but it was nice to chill with my dad. He's uh, very easy to travel with. We uh, had to have dinner somewhere and uh, we found this small ass restaurant. We, we, we could never do that if my mom was traveling with me. My mom has a high, you know, uh, bar for how good a restaurant has to be or clean has to be. So we went to this small ass shady restaurant, we had the best ghee roast dosa I've had. And uh, man, the sambar was thick, you know, like a thick it was, thick chutney it was. It was great, a great weekend. Also, thank you so much for listening so far. The comments have been great. You guys are appreciating the uh, the long recording of me talking so much that there were less questions this time. All of you just told me how great this is, um, and that's very sweet. But you didn't, you forgot to ask me questions, so I don't have too many to choose from this time. But I got from very interesting ones. It was fun to have Biswa on the episode because he was upset and now we are friends again. Uh, All my life is mostly just making sure my friends are happy. Coronavirus. How can we not talk about it? So, uh, the levels of panic are varied. What do you do, man? What do you do? The world's taking it very seriously. Are we taking it seriously? (laughs) I don't know. But uh, I hope it doesn't affect us too much. And if it does, I hope we uh, get through it. Man, what the hell is going on? You know, I started this and I wondered, will I have enough to talk about every week? Literally every week, some shit goes down. And I'm like, this is way easier than I thought it would be. The last week was Delhi rides. This week is coronavirus. I'm, I'm, I know it was there for, but the panic has really started now. So I'm like, wait, is this happening because I started this? Oh, it's always things were happening. And because I have to talk about something in a, in a show, I have become aware of how... Yeah, I think before that, there was a Aust- Australia fires. Long ago, there was Kerala floods. Then there was floods in Orissa. Yes, bank also shut down, dude. So <laughs> what's going on? Well, at least the only thing that's constant is Asha is still listening. Uh, you know, I am legit was worried... Do you always do every recording session here? Not every, but most. So there's a chance that I will make a booking and then you won't be here, right? If you don't ask for me. No, let me make it very clear. (laughs) I need you in every session. I'm here for you, bro. Thanks, man. See, at least something's constant in my life. There's some anchor. I know you guys are jealous that you don't have an Asha in your life, but, you know, not everyone is as lucky. Let me start with a question that... I used to talk about it a lot, and I just stopped talking because everyone started talking about it. So I guess it was a uh, it was an overkill. So Shreyang Patel asks, "What are your thoughts on strength weight training? How important do you think it's in one life in in one's life, and how has it influenced to improve your life?" Working out is a big part of my life. I try to work out almost every day, or every other day, or even once a week. It's the single most. Um, there are I think four things that have Affected my life a lot, which is computers, meditation, working out and sleep. No, therapy, sorry. (laughs) Uh, These four I will do till the day I die. Meditation, I don't talk about a lot because you do it and it's a very tough thing to uh, consistently do it's very simple, you can f- find out more about meditation. If you want to talk about it, just let me know in the comments, okay? Don't forget to comment your questions with the hashtag SimpleCan. Uh, weight training, I started working out because there was this girl in college I liked and <laughs> I was trying to impress her. I mean, that is not the only reason. I think growing up, I used to read comic books and I was like, man, I want to look like this big guy with muscles and shit. And I had a And I think when I was in college, I was like, you know what, let me just try the gym thing. And my dad's into fitness. Like, he, till today, he wakes up at 5 a.m. every day, um, goes to play badminton, goes for a walk. He was in the NDA, National Defense Academy. So, um, he's from the Navy, by the way. Being healthy and fit is a big thing in my family. He never told us to. It just, he lived by example. So, I finally decided I'm going to gain weight and, uh, you know, gain some muscle. And uh, this was in college. And I think the girl I liked, I told her this and she laughed at me. So I was like, I used that pain for laughing at me to go to the gym every day. And I worked out for a year every day. Nothing happened. But the hate was strong in me. And then I met a trainer who came to my uh, gym. Uh, in Bangalore, we have a clubhouse and we have a gym there. This trainer came and then he trained me and then he showed me the difference between training and working on by yourself. When I worked out by myself, I had a checklist. I'll do this, I'll do this, and I was done. When he trained me, he pushed me to a point of extreme discomfort, putting it lightly. You know, when, he, when a trainer trains you, he pushes you to such a point that you can't reach it by yourself, where you are convinced your body can't do more and you're in extreme pain and you're really uncomfortable and then he makes you do another set of exercises. You're like, I didn't even realize A, that I was capable of it and B, that I could, um, that it's necessary to reach that point. And only someone externally can push you to that point. And um, what after that, for six months, I trained like how he taught me to train. And I started seeing results. Then I joined uh, Gold's Gym. And that year was great. Uh, I we used to, I have a friend called Nikhil. And we both worked out so much um, that we saw massive gains And uh, what weight training taught me was um, it's all in your head. It's such a beautiful thing, you know, where you're convinced that you can't do more and you can't push more and you do it anyway till the point of blacking out. I remember during leg days, we used to crawl to the water cooler and everyone in the gym used to laugh at us. But um, it's taught me a valuable lesson that you can't achieve anything till you're in a place of extreme discomfort. If you're not in a place of extreme discomfort and pain, you can't see gains. Uh, obviously, this is a generalized statement. It doesn't apply for everything. It doesn't apply to relationships. You don't have to be in extreme pain to gain things from a relationship. I learned it the hard way. But, you know, weight training was so cool. And uh, I still... Um, there are moments when I still train today and I'm like, you know, he asked me to do 30 reps. Let me just do 25. And I'm like... oh. I remind myself, like, don't cut short, just do 30, even though it causes immense discomfort. And I apply that, then I think about, wait, am I doing that with my career? Am I just stopping at 25? It really helps, you know, this daily reminders, lot of things you already know, you just have to remind yourself every day. Everybody knows they should work out and eat right and sleep more and be more grateful and you know, take care of you, but you kind of need constant reminders because the brain is a piece of shit that loves to forget basic things. It's amazing how forgetful the brain is. Holy shit! There'll be a moment where you're scared of coronavirus, and then you're watching a show, and you completely forget about a global epidemic. Isn't that insane? It's just <laughs> every. Day, it's like a. It's like a dog that's distracted all the time, and you have to be like, hey, hey, here's a ball. Of self-improvement, don't forget. So yeah, so strength weight training is like this great metaphor training I have. I also have this analogy that I push myself in the gym so much in the morning that the rest of the day is a piece of cake. We used to bench press and, um, you know, do deadlifts and squats. of so such heavy, heavy weight. I won't tell you what it is because every guy thinks he deadlifts so bench presses more. It's a worse metric, by the way, when people say, how much do you lift, dude? That's the most stupid question you can ask because it's easy to lift 80 kgs if it's your first workout. At the end of 40 minutes, if you can lift 80 kgs, that's insane. So it's also so much context of when at one point, at what point are you lifting it and how you're lifting it and when you're lifting it and how much rest you're taking. So just the moment someone says, how much do you lift? I'm like, you're a noob. So yeah, so when you lift so much and you're blacking out and you want to go home and you're crying in pain, Then you go back to your workplace and there's a conflict. You're like, dude, this is easy. The toughest part of the day is over. You're alive. You should be able to lift yourself. That's my fitness barrier. That if you can't lift your own body, that means you're not optimizing yourself. It's like a reminder like, hey, if I'm struggling to lift myself or by lifting, like I say, pull ups, if you can't do a pull up, um, then that means there's something wrong. And your body's amazing, man. You should keep it in the best state you can. So it's it's something I really believe in. It's brought me so much joy. And I really enjoy the routine and the discipline of it. And the friends I've made. I have a very close relationship with my trainer. Venancio. You can see him on my stories. He's a lovely guy. My trainer in uh, Bangalore, his name was Gajendra. <laughs> he was damn funny, dude. Every other workout, he used to try to convince us to do steroids. <laughs> And we be like, no, dude, we don't want to do steroids. <laughs> but he's a very nice guy and very ambitious. I've noticed people who work out a lot tend to be mm, entrepreneurial or like ambitious because it's like a great metaphor for growth. Like if you can grow muscle, you can grow things like you know, <laughs> that sounds weird. You can grow a company, you can grow an idea because they're kind of the same principles, you know, growing muscle and growing an idea is... It takes the same amount of discipline and effort, and and when I say we go to the gym, I mean also like all forms of exercise, like playing or sport and all of that, running. I just I think it's a it's a nice. I think it calms the brain down. There's so much chaos and uncertainty in your life that just that routine of and also endorphins are released, so it's great. Julie James had a remarkable observation. It says, I think you're different depending on who your guest is. It's like you change according to your company. That's like saying, you seem to eat food when it's in front of you. Yes, uh, Julie, that's how people are. People actually change according to their company. And you do it yourself. You are different in every room. So this is a version of me that's in front of camera. I think we and me and Biswa discuss this. This is not me at all. And that doesn't mean that you don't know me. You, you know an aspect of me. Me doing stand-up is also an aspect. How you are with your parents and how you talk to your boyfriend. I'm assuming you're a girl. What um, a boy. Or whoever you are, Julie James. You are so different, right? So, uh, <laughs> I love... That's my favorite thing about reading comments. I'm like, are people really this simple? Like, obviously, you you are different according to how you are, like the situation or company you are in. Um, and it's very interesting. It's a the best way to observe someone is how they behave in a group, in a new group, in an old group, with women, with with men, with older people, young people. It's very interesting to see. The thing that frustrated me the most. I know a lot of my guy friends who are incredibly sweet one on one but in a group become dicks. This uh, was a great example. Wonderful person one on one. When he's in a group, oh my god, he's so annoying. Karan also is very um energetic and you know, uh, hyper in a big group of people, but one on one he's very sober and um l- like low key. It's interesting to see, you know, how people shift. I'm also very annoying in, in a big group. I talk a lot. Uh when I'm one-on-one, I'm quite different. So Naini, Naini. Oh, genius! Her name is Naini, N-A-Y-N-I, followed by the the number 9 and the letter E. <coughs> oh, oh my god. You <coughs> guys have coronavirus. It's confirmed! <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm making jokes now what if in 3 weeks the entire country is on a shutdown dude <laughs> uh, anyway 9090 90. genius pun genius is there a Ken E no this is so precise the number 9 in E is 90 oh man I'm so jealous of how practical and short your nickname is anyway hey Kenny me and my friends had a conversation about loneliness why is it always associated with a sad life I still think that loneliness is always a choice but my friends argue that it's always important to share mental space with somebody at some point of life so you don't have to run out of sanity but I still think that loneliness is always a choice at any age. What's your view to it? I don't fully understand your question but I think you think that loneliness is not that terrible and it's okay to be. Loneliness and being by yourself I think are different things. Being There's nothing wrong with being by yourself. But loneliness is when you feel alone. And you're saying, why do people feel like that? Is it a choice? Hang on with old people. And you'll realize how terrible it is to be lonely. People are older than 60, 70, have no one to talk to. And it's a terrible life. And all they want is some company. I think this kind of perspective happens when you just hang out with people who are very similar to you. Whenever you um, have a confusion about anything in life, just take yourself out of the situation you're in, and I've noticed it always gives me some amazing insight. Doesn't mean you have to travel; just literally talk to someone older than you, who's completely in a different field. I live in an area where there are a lot of people are older, and you know, it's it's all they want is some company and someone to talk to, and it's terrible that that you know. Your kids and your grandparents don't want to meet you. Not grandparents. Your kids and your grandchildren don't want to meet you as much. Um, that time you will be like, I wish I had some company. And humans are social beings, man. And you can't escape it. You can't. Even introverts have a best friend, and they are so excited to meet their best friend. You, it's okay. There's no shame. I think the shame is now opposite. People think it's cool. To be like, I don't need a lot of friends and I can be myself. It's okay that you have to, you need friends and you want to meet people. That's never going to go away. We evolve like that. And if you don't believe in evolution, you need help. Okay, so it's a similar question. That's why I picked this up. Shiva Prakash says, Hey Kenny, I feel as we grow older, the ability to make a number of friends reduces. So, how do you go about making the transition from being an acquaintance to becoming a close friend with someone? Say, at a workplace. By the way, love your long recording of talking. Correct. The reason I picked this question is I was having this conversation with someone very close to me and she had a conflict with someone at her workplace where she got very close to her and then things got complicated and she stopped talking to her and, you know, things kind of spiraled out and now she doesn't, doesn't even recognize this person and she's ignoring her and... And um, she told me this interesting thing. Like, you know, I am a kind of person who can only be friends or nothing. I was like, why do we do this? Everything doesn't have to be so extreme. If you make a friend, they don't have to be your best friend. You can have an acquaintance. You can have a 10... I call it 10% friend, which is when you meet them, you talk to them, you have a great time. And um, you don't make plans with them. You don't have to know about how their family is doing or what they did last week. You just talk... And that's okay. I mean, I used to be like that. I used to be like, if I have a friend, I have to be there for them and do everything for them. And you don't have to, man. Like, some friends you could only do dinners with. Some friends you only do movies with. Some friends you only work out with. And it's, I think it. I think it sounds rude, right? When you, when for example, you're in the gym and you hang out with someone, and there you work, your gym friend, and then they're like, hey, you wanna go for a movie sometime? We're all going in a group. <laughs> and you have to be like, nah, I'm happy in this environment. Yeah, I think it's, it does come across as rude. But it's okay, you no? like you're being honest and it's okay to just have a gym friend. Don't feel guilty that, am I using this person for company only in the gym? No, man, I think you're making their time worthwhile. So it's okay. It is true, though, the ability to make friends reduces. I think my um, ex's mom, she was really incredible. She had gone through so much pain because of her mother-in-law that she used to keep taking and keep taking. And as she up, uh, got older, she just stopped. And she was like, screw you, mother-in-law. And I think by the time she reached her 50s, she, she had attained nirvana where she just said whatever she felt like. She told her needs immediately. It was just like, all my life I was trying to please people and I had a hellish life. Now I'm just going to say what I want. And I was I admired her for that because... I think she's living her life to the fullest. I don't think our ability to make friends reduces our tolerance for bullshit reduces. So in your 20s, you can be friends with some really um, difficult people. But I think when you grow older, you're just like, okay, enough of this bullshit. Um, And I think you lose a lot of people like that. So I think it's the reverse. I think your tolerance for people reduces. Not tolerance for people, tolerance for bullshit reduces. How does a close friend become... acquaintance become a close friend? Again, just... I think it's like a trap. Every time I'm like, oh, this person is now a close friend. And then I make a plan and they ditch. I'm like, oh, how dare you reject my Kenny membership. So again, I think keeping it fluid is the key. Again, I used to say I have a very small group of friends, but now I don't. Now I'm just like, whoever is there that day is great. Also, I have my family. So it's enough. So Rishi Prabhakar asks. Hey, Kenny, this podcast, don't deny it. Rishi, I'm not denying anything, okay? Don't think you're a smart ass. Um, His question is, what were you experiencing when you were interviewing international celebrities like Will Smith and Chris Pratt? Um, Also, would you rather be Hancock or Star Lord? What is this question? Will you be Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck? I don't know what I'll do with that. This is a good question. First of all, Chris Pratt is my god. Okay, He's amazing. I look up to him. He's the person that I want to be. Before it was Jim Carrey, then I realized he was too crazy. Uh, Chris Pratt is just amazing. He just, he's just this sweet, funny man who can do action and comedy. So when I got to meet him, thanks to like Disney had a press junket. Um, and Will Smith was because of Netflix. When I got to meet Chris Pratt, we flew all the way to um, Tokyo. And um, I also got to meet Rajiv masan who's like a really cool, chill guy. He's so fun. Anyway, so when I got to meet Chris Pratt, I think the goal is um, to treat them like a person. And I kind of took that from my experience because whenever I meet people and they see me as a fan, they stop seeing me as a person. So... Um, it feels very impersonal when someone looks up to you and is smiling. And is like, oh my God, you're amazing. It's, it's very sweet, but you can't have a real conversation because they have put you on a giant pedestal, which is understandable. So with Chris Pratt, I was like, do not make him feel less of a human. Talk to him and let him see a perspective that he wouldn't see in his press junket. And I was observing him through the entire conference they had the previous day, that a press junket they had a conference and they had questions from the audience and he was constantly making everyone laugh and like going out of his way to make everyone comfortable and the other actors were not doing that and when I met Will Smith also same thing. Will Smith was just anyone in the room he was entertaining and engaging and was there and I noticed most celebrities were really successful like Will Smith, Chris Pratt, Dwayne Johnson Shah Rukh um, they all have a very unifying quality which is they don't underestimate any situation every situation is important every interviewer is important every press junket is important every event is important they consider everything of equal value this movie is equally important as the 100 million blockbuster they did and I think that is something I learned from them that anything I do should be equally important. You shouldn't be able to be like, oh, he didn't put effort for this. He put effort for this. Um, And that's really helped my career to treat everything. You know what? I don't want to give you this really awesome advice. Okay, it's worked for me. Forget what I said. So thank you, Rishi, for that question. So Huda55, Huda, ask, we aren't taught to be critical thinkers. Rote learning is blindly accepting whatever is put in front of us, present education. This is a grave issue. I'm glad there's a platform where that is being addressed, if nothing more. The reason I brought this up was when I joined my art college, the entrance exam was uh, draw a vase, okay? And they kept the vase in front of us. And I found the exam to be very stupid because I'm like, this is the entrance of an art college. You have to draw a vase. So I drew it. And then I got into the college. That's that simple. I mean... I had had done science and I got good marks. So they told me not to join. They were like, why are you ruining your life? I'm like, yo, guys, I want to do art. And I was in my first class and they said, okay, draw anything. And I started drawing. And there were like 40 other students with me. And three or four guys next to me were like, "What, what do you mean draw anything? And I was like, I think you should just draw anything. And they were like, yeah, but like what exactly? I was like, anything, I guess. And then the teacher came and they asked the teacher, "What do we, what are we supposed to draw?" And the teacher was like, "Anything." And that's when I realized that all of us are so conditioned because of our educational system that we're always told what to do. There's not a single class in school where you can do whatever you want. There's always some rough guideline. Write three hundred words about your trip. Write about. Uh, Newton's laws of motion they don't say talk about how you notice Newton's law of motion in daily life it's like no talk about what the uh, what the theory is and the, the formula and that's it shut the fuck up even in, in even in English just write this read this just do this so when you come to art college and they tell you you can do anything your brain can't process it you're like what do you mean anything there has to be some guideline right That humans uh, landscape anything and it just Broke my heart that the freedom to do anything was, you know, so crippling for this person. And my my reaction was, oh my god, how damaged am I by the education system that I don't even realize. Like this person obviously doesn't realize that they have been choked so much that being told to do anything is too late now. And I noticed this that most people who do very regimented courses throughout their life, their wings are kind of clipped. I'm so grateful I got to do art because the amount of freedom they gave us kind of brought my self-confidence back that I'll do what I want to do because I want to. There is no barrier. And, you know, come to think of it, that's what made my stand-up so different that I didn't listen to what people told me was allowed in stand-up, like even this, like it, I don't need to do this. I, I I have specials on Amazon and Netflix, and I don't need to be on YouTube, but I want to because I like it. I really like being on YouTube, and I'm a comedian. I don't have to do vlogs. So I don't have to do uh, a long recording of me talking. I don't have to sing. I don't have to draw. I don't have to make a comic strip because I want to. I like it. So it's kind of sad. <laughs> what how damaging this our education system is even my teachers man like they were so concerned with us following formulas and structure that i i, I did a workshop for kids once in bangalore for stand up and it was such a uh, enlightening experience because the kids came on stage and they did some amazing things but then we had to tell them to not do them Because stand-up inherently is a person talking on the mic. And it broke my heart because this kid had this idea where he wanted to come on stage and pretend like he didn't know where the mic was. So he stood right next to the mic and spoke the entire time, but you can't hear him. (laughs) Then I was like, that's genius. But according to stand-up, you can't do that if you talk on the mic. But then I'm like, why am I telling this kid what not to do? After that, I realized I'm never going to teach kids anything to do with creativity because... You don't even realize how you're stunting their thought process. Um, just let them do whatever they want. And if they ask you for guidance, you give it to them. Okay, Steffi John. So South Indian. So awesome. Um, hey, Kenny, love the honesty in the conversation. Keep him coming. Actually, it's, it's very easy to be honest when you guys are also so supportive. So thank you for being so receptive to this. Um, during the initial stages of growth and fame in the comedy scene, did you manage to stay grounded throughout and is there anything you regret or wish I'd done differently? You know, I used to say that it was easy to be grounded because in the first four years or three years of my stand-up, I had no audience. I used to perform for 10 people, 15 people, eventually slowly went to 50, 100, 200. So when middle-class restaurants became viral, um, I didn't take it for granted because I knew how it was to not sell tickets in not have anybody see your videos. When I was in 12th and 11th, I used to make videos and 800 people used to see it, which was great. So I used to think I'm grounded because of that. But then I've also met people who have gone through the same process and have remotely reached some success and they're fucking assholes. (laughs) So I guess maybe it's my parents. I think they raised me well. And I'm so scared of losing track of where I'm going and what I'm doing. Um... And uh, I guess that's why I keep my family and friends so close together. So I don't lose track. Is there anything you regret or wish I'd done differently? Literally nothing. I don't regret anything. Every experience I've had has been... You know, let me do a rough timeline of my career. So I started doing stand-up when I was 19. I did it in Mood Indigo. Then I did it in Bangalore. And then by 20, this is also when I was doing music. And by 20, I had done a bunch of sketches. I was doing stand-up for a year and a half. I started, I was also editing a lot. So I edited this feature film which got released when I was 21. And um, by then, I had also done six short films. I also released an EP, a music EP that no one listened to. And then also did some music videos. By the way, I'd learn editing by myself on the internet and also graphic design because I was in art college. So I used to do graphic design for colleges and for like logos for companies and I had made up a fake company. So when I used to do meet clients, they wanted like videos for their companies. I used to pretend like I had editors and, uh, and charge them a fee for like three people because I could do three people's work. And, um, that's how I made my money till college. 23... I got to do a Comedy Central 22, 23. I got to do a Comedy Central show, um, which was so hard. I think in nine days we shot some 18, 20 episodes. I know we did it. I felt sick also. Did that. Nothing happened. And then I released a one hour stand up special. When I released the stand up special, huh? How long has it been? I remember when I back in the day when you released something, nobody released stand up clips, huh? So all the comics uh, were like, what are you doing? And now, now how oh, things have changed. I released a one-hour stand-up special in November 17, 2014. Holy shit, backs That's such a long time ago. And uh, did that? Nothing happened. No one saw it. I put all my savings into that video. That day drained rained in Bangalore. So people didn't, didn't even show up to the show. <laughs> it was such a disaster. And uh, uh, my then-girlfriend was there with her family. It was so sweet. My dad was there. My friends were there. It was just... I had... Those people are still in my life. So it's nice. I continued to stand up. Um, Nothing happened. And then I got... uh, I did Sketchy Behave with Kanan. We told a little bit. We did stuff in Bangalore with the Bangalore comics. Nothing happened. I mean, we had shows where people came. And um, finally, so many years have passed. Uh, I get signed by OML. Uh, One year pass, nothing happens. I come to Bombay, I record (laughs) my fourth special and I release Bucket Bath, which I felt was the best piece of writing I've done. Release a video, no one saw it. I was like, okay, you know what? And um, it's very funny. The last clip I released was the middle class restaurant and I didn't like that bit at all. And I showed it to my Bangalore friends. And they were like, this is good. And I was like, no, man, this is just... I had collected all the rejected jokes and put it in one video. And I released it and then it went viral. I still remember that day. I couldn't believe it. Fine, I think most of the things that have happened in my life is when I've really wanted it, it never happened. And when I was like, you know what? I'm okay. I'm happy. It's cool. (laughs) That's when it happened. And I think that's very beautiful. Because then it can't uh, sway you. It can't make you arrogant because you didn't want it in the first place now. So after that, I, I released two more specials, again on YouTube for free. My fifth special was the Amazon special. The Netflix one is the sixth one. And the seventh one is going to be the one I'm writing now. It's quite an experience. And I got to see a lot of cool things. I got to see the rise of AIB, the rise of TVF, Kanan and Biswa and Abhish. I met Abhish. Big, big reason for what's happened in my life. I got to see all of these things and I got to see how fame affects you, how much stress it involves. I used to think you used to work very hard in Bangalore. Then I went to Bombay and I saw the AIB office. There were like 20 people there just like writing and there was a different room for editing. And I was just like, oh my God, I have to work so much more. I've noticed the people who are the most successful work the hardest. Uh, and the people who aren't work the least. I have this analogy in the gym that the person who's the least fit does the most laziest things in the gym, and the person who's extremely fit is pushing themselves so hard. And it's so ironic, cause it should be flipped, right? That the person who's all fit should do very less, and the person who is and should do more. But the irony is the reason the person is fit, cause he does so much, and the reason the reason the person not fit is cause they don't do. Please don't confuse fit with being fat or thin. Fit is very different. It's making yourself strong, uh, so you're mentally and physically feeling great. Okay, <laughs> you just have to be careful, you know. <laughs> okay, so this this I wanted to address. Um, Aditi Shetty says, "I didn't know comedians were so intelligent, intellectual, and philosophical." This is amazing. Next time, bring a female guest. I will. I'm trying to get a friend of mine. She'll be on. This is such a backhanded compliment. What do you mean? I didn't know comedians were so intelligent, intellectual, and philosophical. What? You think we just say jokes out of an ass or what? That's that, why would you say that to anyone else? Would you go to a doctor and be like, I know doctors are so intelligent, intellectual, and philosophical? We do jokes about human behavior. We have to reflect and observe. What did you expect? I don't know if people say this to make themselves feel better. That, oh, comedians are just like saying jokes. I am doing a real job. I don't know where this comes from. Human behavior is the most complex thing ever. And it affects everything we do in our lives. Uh, there's no field on the planet that doesn't have human behavior involved. So yeah, it just, it just boggles my mind that you think comedians... Uh, there's no comedian which is good, who's good. Who is not intelligent? It's impossible. Being aware of your behavior and other people's behavior and how it affects the world needs a very high level of intelligence. Even if the jokes are like Santa Banta jokes, that that requires them to know what makes human beings laugh. And laughing is such a personal emotion. When you're by yourself, you rarely laugh. Um, you laugh in a social situation. And it usually comes from comfort. So a comedian has to build comfort f- in a, within a few seconds, make you connect with them emotionally and make such an emo- emotion that hits you so hard that you involuntarily laugh. So yes, that takes a little intelligence, madam. I know you were trying to give a compliment, but don't give backhanded compliment. That's like saying for a woman, you're very smart. Yeah, that's, don't do that. That's, uh, be a little uh, nice that way. I'm trying to get my friend Tara on the podcast, but she lives in Bangalore, and uh, people from Bangalore usually don't want to go anywhere else because they're so happy there. So once I catch her here, no, I'll get her, get her for this, uh, get her for this show. Ah, tasty. If you can guess what I'm drinking, you'll get a free T-shirt. I haven't made a T-shirt for this podcast yet. <laughs> How can I make money from this? uh i was wondering if i should do like a pay for watching thing but i don't know i'll get a sponsor i want to annoy you guys a little bit so you have to hear a sponsor and the sponsor gives money and then i can uh it'll be fun i like doing sponsor stuff it's fun um oh yeah by the way thank you for the response for getting there only two episodes are out i did one with alicia and one with Ritwiz. uh it was it was it was very um uh, i got to do the show by the way that was my initial idea for Chai time Chai time was actually me meeting people sorry for the burps oh man I'm getting old so much gas is in my body Um, oh my god there's more Uh, (laughs) Chai time was supposed to be I meet really interesting people in my life who um, have um, professions that are not common and if I had known that in school I would have been so much you know so much at ease and not stress that, oh, I don't fit into doctor, engineer, business, whatever. And I was going to go to travel to where they are, their place of work. So for photographer, I'll go to where he t- takes photographs, illustrator, I go to where she draws, DJ, I guess, Goa. And we sit there, have chai together and talk. That is what chai does. But it's very expensive to do that. So I made chai time, this show where I sit down and talk to an audience, which is a side of me that um, you can only see when you come to a live show. So yeah, it, it was, finally Royal Enfield came on board and I got to do the show. And um, I hope you know that Royal Enfield is sponsoring the show. A lot of people think those are my bikes. <laughs> They're like, how come you have third Interceptor dude with different number plate? It's because it's not mine. So yeah, thank you for that response. It's been, man, I've been having a lot of fun this year with content. It's been a very good experience. I know I freaked you out with the coronavirus thing in the beginning. I know you're still thinking about it. I don't mean to freak anyone out. I just, uh, I'm also curious. I think because of the internet, you see how how nobody has any idea what they're doing. And it's calming and scary. Governments are just like running helter skelter. Uh, man, that, that Iran minister or something, he was the health minister of Iran. And uh, he was giving a press conference about how... <laughs> He's sweating and coughing and he's like, there's no danger to coronavirus. <laughs> and then two hours later, he takes a selfie video saying, I actually have coronavirus. He did a press, he was in a news channel coughing away and talking about how the country doesn't need a panic. And I'm just like, I have never messed up to that level in my career. And I, th- and I thought I have a lot of growing up to do. This is the health minister of a country. <laughs> it's it's scary and calming that nobody has any idea what they're doing guys for this episode please ask me a question okay hashtag simple again, and it doesn't have a lot of i've ignored a lot of relationship questions most questions are how do i talk to a girl don't leave them alone okay if if you can't talk to a girl i think it's a good idea that you don't Just focus on yourself stand on your feet and automatically people will gravitate towards you and it won't be your prime focus i know you're young and you can only think about girls i've been there but just don't talk to them okay if if that is the question how do i talk to a girl i really like her she's not talking to me don't talk to her (laughs) just don't oh yeah this is what i also wanted to bring up stop stop going after important information that has to be entertaining I also do that. Instead of reading about what's happening in the world, I just watch an episode of John Oliver uh, or Patriot and I'm like, oh, now I know about the world. And I'm like, man, I need entertainment and finding about the world also. If you need to find out about mental health, just go read those boring articles and do some research and talk to people who are in that field. That also you want a comedian to tell you or an influencer to tell you because that could get you in trouble. Um, I think it does more harm. Recently, I was listening to some podcasts of some influencer and someone said I have depression. And that influencer said, go meditate. (sighs) No. It's a very serious thing. Okay. Depression leads to suicide sometimes. So, don't just throw out advice like that. Meditate. Eat vegetables. Exercise. Yeah. That's not enough. Uh, It's more complicated than that some guy asked me a question saying uh i have noticed that people who come to cities get depressed a lot so you should we make an algorithm that shows that uh, mumbai has this rate of depression Bangladesh has this rate of depression so hence avoid the cities it's not that simple uh, even med medication given to people who have anxiety and depression the pharmaceutical world is guessing that maybe this will help they shut down sectors of your brain Uh, that, that hopefully will make you less depressed, it actually numbs you out. So nobody knows what they're doing. They're trying to figure it out. It's a very complex thing. Being like, oh, I'll just take meds. I'll be all right. I don't want to take meds. It's not as simple as that. I think we need to stop gravitating towards very important information being given in a very entertaining way. Because a lot of the times the narrative changes to make it entertaining. Um so if I have to make a joke about this minister <laughs> who has coronavirus I'm just going to talk about ministers being dumb maybe there's a minister in Iran who's actually very smart but it doesn't fit my comedic narrative of making it sound like people don't know what they're doing right so there's a restriction there to information that we can't give information if it doesn't make if it's not funny for this joke so you leave out that important information While when you write, read boring articles and do the research, they're not trying to be funny or entertaining. They're just telling you how it is. And they can be contradicting to themselves also. I think the scariest thing is when you read an article about a medical thing and in the end they say, scientists have no idea how to cure it. There is no known treatment for it. No cure, lifelong. (laughs) I'm like, holy shit. And I think that's why people like listening to influencers because influencers make you think that oh, if you do this, you will get fixed. No medical professional will ever tell you that because that's not the truth. On that shitty note, I'm going to end this podcast. Uh, oh, shit. I mean, long recording with me talking. Uh, it was fun. Because of uh, the pandemic scare and not going anywhere, I've ordered a lot of PlayStation games and I got a new controller also. <laughs> so I'm just going to edit this episode and uh, play video games. If you want to know what I bought, I bought Need for Speed Heat. I bought Assassin's Creed. Uh, I bought... Um, what what else did I buy? <laughs> I bought Tekken 7. Days gone. I bought all of these games and I'm ready for Apocalypse. Uh, and I'm going to edit this podcast. Uh, I was thinking, Asher, if things get really bad, I'll record at home and I'll mail it to you. And then you guys can mix it and send it back to me. And nobody has to leave home. So this can continue. Back speaker your yeah, you can just call me on the phone and be like, hey, Kenny, I think you're clipping. So that's what I'm going to do this week. You can li- listen to this on Spotify. Man, the Spotify response has been insane. So thank you so much for listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and uh, uh, everywhere else you've been listening to. And thank you for su- subscribing and liking and writing such wonderful things. Um, let me see who else to get for some episodes I do it according to how I feel and um, it's been a wonderful journey guys bye bye it's time for simple it's time for simple